It's time for JT the Brick. We kick off the summer at Cliff Branch. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. Back joint for Branch, a saver in the end zone. Branch, leaping catch, touchdown Raiders! Coach, I can beat my guy deep. I said, Cliff, we haven't even played it down yet. How do you, how do you even know who your guy is? The guy was just a nightmare to cover. He said it verbally, you're not going to cover me. You either have it or you don't have it. Well, Cliff had it. JT the Brick. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. If that guy was playing today, he would blow the top off the record book. Talked about the big bad Raiders. And here we had to hide. We had to parade Cliff Branch out there. He was 155 pounds. He's a Hall of Famer. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Summer of Cliff Branch continues a week from today. We'll be in Canton, Ohio. How about that? That went pretty quick. Summer of Cliff. And we'll ride it out right to Canton, Ohio, and Cliff Branch's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Welcome in, everybody. JT. As we keep it going here on Raider Nation, 9.20 a.m., I was out at practice again today, brought my son, which was a lot of fun. He's been going to Raider practices and camps since he was in a stroller at Napa, now 19 years old. It was good to sit with him and go out there today and watch another padded practice, which was kind of a nice surprise today as the Raiders are getting the work done efficiently. I got a lot to say about what I saw in practice the last couple of days, and efficiency and how Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and their coaches conduct these practices and what they're going to do going forward. It is a very efficient camp. It is. I've been to a lot of them, and I'm telling you, I thought highly of the other coaches. You know, coaches, when you go to a practice, these things are organized to the minute, to the 30 seconds, to the 10 seconds, to when you get water, when you can cool down, when you're running drills, when you're doing special teams, goal lines. Every coach who's ever run a practice does it, and it's pretty tight when you're out there. If you're a fan, you know what I'm talking about. You see the organization. There's just something different about Josh McDaniels. There's something different. I haven't figured it out yet. Give me a couple of weeks to do it. It's a positive. The offense is very efficient. It seems like his eyes are not just on the quarterback. That was my big takeaway, watching him behind Derek Carr during practice and when a play is run he is running with the play he's running the other way with the play which I've seen other coaches do before but his head's on a swivel he's looking at the offensive line he's looking at the blocking he's looking at the protection more so than when you see coaches just staring at a quarterback and then after the play talking to the quarterback the guy is dialed in I can't imagine I don't even know what the number must be of how many practices that Josh McDaniel stood behind Tom Brady Tom Brady at practice, and they ran a play, and they did it again, and they looked at the play again, and they talked about it. Can you imagine that experience, that level of experience that is going to be handed over to Derek Carr? And these other quarterbacks look damn good, too. I'm just telling you, Stidham throws a great ball, Mullins. The backup quarterbacks here look fine. We've been living in the Nathan Peterman years the last couple of years, and he looked okay. In practice there, it was Marcus Mariota and Derek Carr, now the backup quarterbacks I have here, they kind of all look the same. The ball comes out, ball comes out big, and the Raiders have four quarterbacks here at practice. I'm staring at the offensive line, but today I, I was watching drills as Devontae Adams and Darren Waller were running two separate drills away. Devontae was running into the end zone. Waller was running to midfield, and it seemed like when their turns were up, they were doing it together. 
So it was like being at a tennis match when you watch a tennis ball go from one side to the other. I was watching that with Devontae and Waller. Holy crap. To see the fact that that's the one-two punch, all due respect to Hunter Renfro, who's going to be a big part of that. But to see the size and grace of both those athletes, is, it's incredible to me. It really is. They are so graceful. Devontae even more. Devontae's so big, but he just glides. You know what I mean? If you saw him, if you, you know from seeing him with Green Bay and seeing some practice video here, but he just glides when he comes out of his breaks. And when he goes up for the ball, it really looks like a, a ballerina artist gliding in the air. And Waller looks fantastic. Waller's just fit. He's big. He's cut up. You see him with pads on. He's just a big guy, and he looks to be right where he needs to be. So this offense is predicated on what they're going to do with the offensive line. I talked to Dave Ziegler yesterday, spent about 20 minutes with the owner, Mark Davis, and George Atkinson. George is going to join us at the bottom of the hour as we talked about what's happening with Cliff Branch in the summer of Cliff. So I got a busy show today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we can hear from you and the topic today to get you going as we're a week away from expectations in Canton, Ohio. What are your expectations for the next game, the first preseason game? Who do you want to see? Who do you want to see? What do you want to see? They got to play a football game. They don't play a half in these preseason games. It's Sunday night football on Thursday night. All right, there's going to be a big audience there. It's the first game there. What are your expectations there for the Raiders, even though you don't expect the starters to play? and the limited amount of snaps that other backups are going to get. You know, this is a full roster here at training camp. I want to see protection. I want to see what it's going to look like with the running game. Because I think the Raiders are going to be a running team. I do. They're going to throw the ball. We all know that. But they're going to run it because this offensive line is better, I think, at run blocking than they will be at pass protection, which is going to take some time. It's going to be a big part of what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels figure out here as they finish up this roster. I believe, as I always told you, they'd get another offensive lineman. I think that will be the case coming up here in a couple of weeks. They'll add a familiar name to the offensive line if they can. And then they're going to run it. And they're going to run it hard because they got depth at the running back position. And they're going to want to run it behind the guards and the center. And I think that's going to be a strength of this team. Now, look, you might not do that against Aaron Donald when they play the Rams or the Niners at the end of the year, but I'm thinking you look at these first couple of games, especially with the Chargers, everybody. The Chargers, I think the Raiders are going to run the ball right at Bosa, wear his ass out, run the ball at Khalil Mack. You know what I think of Khalil? He's a great player. He was a great Raider. But the game plan for this first game, and I'm not privy to it, but I'll tell you, I would not be shocked if the Raiders go into Los Angeles and they are running the ball hard right at those two super pass rushers to wear those guys out for later on in the game. Wear those guys out for the third and fourth quarter when Derek's going to have to pass because that game against Justin Herbert's going to come down probably to a 30-plus point game and they're going to have to put it up there. But I think this Raider team is going to be balanced they're going to run it, and the key point as of last year, I was in shock in a lot of the games, especially the last half of the year. I thought Rich Passaccia did a hell of a job, but I didn't think they ran the ball with any purpose. I thought last year for a chunk of the season, the Raiders just ran it into the line of scrimmage on first down. You called me on it every day. But then at the end of the year, it kind of paid off because Josh Jacobs got hot, and they were running the ball with him, 
and he would, Waller being injured and not at 100%, they ran it well. And I bet you Josh McDaniel saw that. He had to see it. I mean, he's the head coach of the Raiders. He looked at every play and all the film. And what the Raiders did in their final four games to make the playoffs is they ran the ball with authority. And that's what they do with the Patriots, too, behind the two tight end offensive set and the way they like to run it. Do you know that the New England Patriots over the last four or five years have a whole bunch of offensive linemen you never even heard of? You never even heard of. But everybody here is dissecting Lester Cotton and wondering what Andre James is going to do. You don't even know the names of the guys on the Patriots. It was uneventful. They didn't have a list of Hall of Fame offensive linemen the way the Raiders did with Shell and Upshaw and Otto and all the great offensive linemen they had. They just protected each other, ran the ball with a purpose. So my big takeaway today being at practice was Devontae and Waller just wow. The wow factor is special. Number two, I didn't spend a lot of time on the defense today other than accounting for who was out there and a couple of the schemes they were doing there. But the other big thing today is the backup quarterbacks all look well ahead of the game. They're going to have a big decision here on the third quarterback here because they all look pretty good to me. And then finally, running the football and running the football with authority as we find out if the Raiders are going to add another offensive lineman. The monologue is brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own 64-plus taverns here in the Valley. P.T., Sean Patrick, Sierra Gold, the SG Bar at the top of 215 in Flamingo, uh, they own the Stratosphere. They own Arizona Charlie's. They have you covered also with the best happy hour in town from 5 to 7 to midnight to 2 a.m. So George Atkinson is uh, supposed to join us here at the bottom of the hour, which is really one of the most important interviews I can do. Uh, George has been like a father figure to me like Fred. George broke me into Raiders Radio. George was my first ever partner on TV when I hosted Behind the Shield for a number of years with George. Uh, George has been through a lot. George has had a lot of loss in life over the last couple of years, and every Raider fan, every Raider fan who walks God's green earth knows of George Atkinson and his importance to the organization, the surviving member of Soul Patrol, and the great friend to Mark Davis. He sat with Mark Davis yesterday at practice. So George at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll also talk to Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, and Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5. He's got a big day today as he's sitting down with the head coach as Fox 5 is a proud partner of the Raiders and he gets first shot to sit down for their preseason specials and talk to the quarterback, Devontae, and the coach. He's doing that right now, so he's going to text me when he's ready to go. Okay, earlier today, Josh McDaniels met the media and he talked about this was day two of padded practices, but he recapped his impression of day one. About the same as they almost always are. You know, you're, it's the first time in months that they've had to carry them, you know, and, um, you know, legs get a little heavy as the day goes on, uh, which is this, you know, phase of the year where you're trying to callous the body so you can kind of, you know, withstand the, the grind of the season. Um, and, you know, so many things showed up yesterday just from an individual technique perspective that we need to correct and fix and do better. Um, you know, the most fundamental aspects of our game are, blocking, you know, defeating a block, and literally, I mean, those are the things we're really going to try to focus on. We coached that yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening. Um, there's not a lot of new stuff going in today. You know, we're going to try to, you know, go back to some of the things we did yesterday and hopefully see some progress because, um, 
our big thing is we don't get many days like this, you know, where we get to redo a bunch of things we did yesterday uh, without the urgency of adding a bunch of new installation and talking about an opponent and all those things uh, that you have to do during the regular season. So we don't get many opportunities to do this. So uh, today's a great opportunity for us to make progress um, individually, which obviously then will collectively make us better. So a lot of technique things, fundamental aspects of the game that we haven't been able to, to do, uh, that we are able to do for the first time, and now we have a shot to improve them. That's a deep dive. You can tell that is a practice with a purpose. They had a padded practice yesterday. They looked at it on film. They wanted to clean some stuff up, and a rare opportunity to do it again. So remember, Josh McDaniels has a longer preseason, so he's going to be a little bit different. Maybe, maybe they would have moved on to something else, earlier today but they wanted to go back into this cleanup phase and he called it a rare opportunity to go back and look at some of that stuff so very important practice with a purpose and he told that to the media well before practice earlier this morning he was asked about running back josh jacobs his role so far in camp and what he says based off what you know when you, when you uh after the draft you said this is going to be a competition for all units mm-hmm. And then he he didn't miss OTAs, but he was in the building doing something. Was there one concern in which he squashed that? Squashed what? What do you mean? In your mind, coming into training camp, like you were kind of worried or thinking that that you're pleasantly surprised with. No, nothing. Yeah, that's the way this coach is. He's going to ask you to elaborate on your question and make it specific so he can answer it, and then he's going to answer it. And if it's one word, it's one word. That's who he is. I mean, this guy is this guy is locked in. Man, I don't know him. I'm just getting to know him. Hearing these and playing these press conferences, this guy Josh McDaniels is no joke. You know where he came from. You know Belichick's press conferences. I think Josh has been having a lot of fun, giving a lot of information, long media sessions, answering a lot of questions on what he thinks is pertinent for the media to know. Anything that he doesn't want us to know, we're not going to know about, especially this early in camp. Here he is on the right tackle spot. Very important topic on the O-line. You know, it's it's too early to sit here and try to say where it's at. Um, you know, but there's multiple guys in there that are competing. Um, you know, they know that. They all know it. Um, you know, we're going to try to play the best 11 guys on every snap. It's the right thing to do. Uh, it's the best thing for the team. You know, and if we keep putting the best 11 out there, regardless of, you know, what, how young, old, whatever, it doesn't matter about that. It's just if we put the best 11 out there, I think everybody respects the fact that we're trying to win. Um, so, you know, everybody's going to get opportunities. You know, we had, you know, Jermaine's doing the same thing. Thayer's doing the same thing. You know, so we, we got a lot of people that are rotating in there on the right side. Um, we got a lot of people that are playing a lot of spots, too. You know, which, like I said, it's it's not just one spot on the line. It's we're going to try to find the best five linemen. And we're going to try to find the best 11 to put out there in every play in each unit. So, um, you know, I think they all have a great mindset. Everybody's yeah. working. Um, there are no we told them there, there are no like, well, this is this and this is that. I mean, we have te- we have periods where we start and those guys aren't in there, you know, so um, there's a lot of competition. I think it makes them all better. They've embraced it. Um, which is really the, what we want from our team. And uh, we'll look forward to letting it play out on the field. They'll determine it. You know, they'll determine it. That's an important soundbite. I saw Leatherwood not start on one series and then play and start the other series. They're going to ma- mix and match this offensive line. That's what's happening, everybody. As we know, that is exactly what's happening. They're putting out a whole bunch of different units on the offensive line to see the one that works best. I think that's not because of a strength. 
It's not the strength. It's not like they have the great Dallas wall that Emmett Smith ran behind. They don't. So they got to get some work in at different positions and who sees who's going to be available. Colton Miller is really the only consistent lock on that offensive line. Everybody else is going to be moved around a bit to see it. And when it comes to depth, that's really important. You got to play right guard if you're a left guard. You got to be able to move. In these centers, Parham can play center, uh, James can play center. There's multiple guys that can step in there on the offensive line. But a guy like Parnham can play left guard, right guard, center. Could he play tackle in emergency? They're moving him all over the place. He's, he's going to be very important in, in front there. He's going to be very important that I know for a fact, you can tell this by being at practice, especially the padded practices, that the first Raider pick this year, Dylan Parnham, is going to play. He, he's going to play. He's going to be coming in. He might be starting games. There might be games he plays 30 snaps. All I guess at this point in time, but you can tell that they are preparing him to be able to go and be ready to play on a young rookie offensive line. Here's more Josh McDaniels today. The physicality part of it they're used to. Um, you know, there's a, there's a different speed sometimes uh, for them to, you know, get acclimated to relative to the things moving in front of them and the games and the, the twists and the stunts. Um, how fast linebackers fill into a gap. I mean, it's just a different, you know, tempo at times. Um, and a lot of our young guys saw that yesterday. You know, there was a little bit of a different speed um, that, you know, it's, at first you're kind of thinking it's going to be one thing and then it happens just a split second quicker than you imagine. So, um, you know, I think a lot of those guys getting acclimated to just the speed of the game, the tempo that every play happens at um, is going to be important for them, and there's no better way to do it than to, to let them have an opportunity in pads to experience that from the other side of the ball. So I think both sides you know, learned that and realized that yesterday a little bit. Yeah, it's the beginning of pads with rookies and rookies who are going up against veterans who are big, strong, and have an advantage over them. There's going to be a film study, a work session for this offensive line. We all know that. They're all going to take care of each other. They're going to try to stay, keep everybody healthy and fresh. And these guys got to get better. They have to get better. It's tough to analyze sitting there with the media, you know, 30, 40 yards away, how good the offensive line is. But they're going to tell us, especially Dave Ziegler, the coach, Josh McDaniels, the players are going to speak. We'll know a lot about it. And, again, a lot of the younger players are going to play Thursday night a week from tomorrow in Canton, Ohio, and we'll get a chance to see their footwork and what they're doing with their hands, and we'll have a good time. We'll have a good time on the pregame show and then in the following weeks build on who's getting all the reps on this old line. Josh McDaniels was asked about the team's identity. I still think it's very early, very early, but OTAs, the identity of all these guys showing up and playing for each other and getting along. Here's Coach McDaniels. I, I, I really enjoy this group. Um, you know, it's ultimately their culture, and it's ultimately their team. And what we do and how we do it, um, they're going to define it. You know, we, we, we try to set an expectation and a standard of, of what we're looking for, but ultimately they're going to do it, you know, and they hold one another accountable to that standard. Um, and they have a lot of fun doing it, you know. I think this game is, is really, you know, it's a difficult game. But it's more difficult when you don't like the guys you're doing it with, you know, and I don't see that at all. You know, I really think this group enjoys being around one another. They have fun coming to work. Um, they, we, we, you know, we laugh. I know you might not think that, but we do. We, we, we laugh and, 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 you know, there's things that happen during the course of the day where, you know, 
you keep it lighthearted a little bit, and the rookies have done a decent job of trying to entertain us at times. But, you know, this is a, a group that's developing their own identity, you know, and that's not for me to say, you know, um, exactly how that's going to go. I think they'll, they'll determine that. We've got great leadership on, on the football team on all sides of the ball. Um, and like I said, they come to work every day with a great mind, mindset and attitude, and they're looking forward to the next day of work. Uh, we got plenty of more sound we'll get to a little bit later in the show. 702-365-9200 on your expectations a week out. Okay, it's a week out to Canton. The team will be there in Canton by this time next week. They're going to have a tour of the Hall of Fame. It's going to be a big bonding trip. It's travel. They get to travel with this GM and head coach for the first time. Always good to practice travel. They'll have another opportunity to do that on a long trip to Miami in the preseason here. But we're countdown. We're about a week away from Canton, Ohio. Most of us who are going will be going out in a week right here today. So excited about that. Sean in Houston, start us off on the Raider flagship. How are you, Sean? Hey, how you doing, JT the Brick? This is Sean. I'm out of Houston. I just want to personally thank you. I'm Cliff Branch's nephew. So I wow. just want to personally thank you for the, for the series that you're doing, the Summer of Cliff. Um, I appreciate it. Um, I, I thank Raider Nation for all the support that you guys have given me, um, given my family, as far as pushing my uncle through to the Hall of Fame. I just want to personally get on the radio and tell that to the Raider Nation. Tell me about your uncle. I mean, you knew this story when you – how old are you? How, are, how old are you, by the way? Um, I will be 50 on August Good. 4th. 50 on August 4th. <laughs> yeah, I'll be so 50 the sto- on August 4th. So the, all the stories that you've heard over – and you know Cliff is a player and the Raiders at your age and, I mean – what is the family thinking about this well-deserved acknowledgement coming up next week? We're very pleased. Um, we think it's overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my uncle should have been in the Hall of Fame, as everyone pretty much knows. But um, we're just happy. I mean, even though he's not here to, to actually receive mm-hmm. the accolades, um, mm-hmm. the family will be there. And um, he's looking down on heaven and happy that he's finally getting in. In fact, the last conversation that I had with him, um, before he passed away, was about the centennial class, mm-hmm. um, the 20 um, seniors that they were letting in, and he was pretty excited about that. And um, unfortunately, he didn't get in, but he, delayed, he was delayed and not denied. So he's in in 2022. Outstanding. Look me up when you get to Canton. Let's have a beverage together. I look forward to seeing you. All right, I will. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, JT. Thank you. A really nice compliment to, from the Branch family. As we're working with Cliff's sister, Elaine, as she's the hostess, along with Mark Davis, who's the host of what's going to go on in Canton. It's going to be special. And, you know, Cliff's got nephews, and some of his nephews are great, great high school football players now. It's going to be a big turnout for Cliff Branch. It's going to be one of the, if not largest, turnout in NFL history for returning players for a particular player. Someone told me that Jim Brown had six of his teammates, six, return when he got into, into Canton, Ohio, right? It was different back then. They did it on the front step. Then you Peyton Manning, I think, had 18 or 19 of his former players. I was sitting pretty close for Coach Flores. So Peyton Manning had Brandon Stokely and a bunch of guys. Cliff's going to have double, double of anybody else who's done this before, which is really rare, and it's special. And some of that has to do with the fact that he's not here. Most of it has to do with the fact that Mark Davis has an amazing staff that can pull this off, and Mark's generous enough to pull this off. So with all that together, that makes for something really special. We are very, very, very excited about that. George Atkinson coming up at the bottom of the hour. He confirmed 
And Tom Flores just confirmed for me tomorrow. Coach Flores, who uh, won't be in Canton because of some surgeries and what he's been going through, he wanted to make sure he got on tomorrow. All right, let's keep it going here. Stoner Dude. Wow, good to hear from you. What's happening, my friend? That was really great to hear from John and Cliff's nephew, man. You know, I love this whole summer of Cliff theme that you've created. I got a comment about Cliff, but real quick, JT, uh, recently a well-known, loved Raider fan, founder of the 66th Mob in Forever Oakland, Grizz Jones passed away. He was the dude out there on 66th Avenue in front of the Oakland Coliseum. For days, he would camp out and bring together Raider fans and organize fans before games and also fed the homeless. Uh, unfortunately, uh, passed away at a very young age. Uh, his funeral services are over at GoFundMe Grizz Jones, if anybody wants to help out. And uh, remember Grizz Jones from the 66th Mall. But on Cliff Branch, uh, JT, you know, everyone talks about the long bombs and, and the speed, and, and rightfully so, you know. But sometimes I, I think about Super Bowl eighteen when the Red, uh, Raiders beat the Redskins 38-9. And on that famous Marcus Allen 74-yard touchdown run, Redskins uh, defensive back, Anthony Washington, number 24, was zeroing in, flying down the field trying to tackle Marcus Allen. But out of nowhere comes Cliff Branch with even more speed to make the block to help that touchdown. So I think of Cliff Branch, I think of the great catches, but I also think of a great football player all around. And really looking forward to Mark Davis inducting him into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And lastly, JT, uh, my band, Hell Mary, is playing over at Vamp this weekend, Saturday night. Nice. So maybe I'll see some of you out there. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks a lot, Stoner Dude. I appreciate it. And that GoFundMe account for Grizz Jones. Everybody go out, help out the family there uh, to the GoFundMe of Grizz, Grizz Jones. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate you doing that, Stoner Dude. All right, coming up next, George Atkinson, one of the most decorated and respected writers ever. Period. George Atkinson of Soul Patrol, the great defensive back, safety, who could do it all, special teams, punt returner, and with Mark. Cliff's best friend. A big one coming up next. JT on Raider Nation Radio. Stabler on first down on his own 11 and a half yard line, throwing a long bomb up the left side. Could be picked up, but it's caught by Blaze between two men. He fell at the 50. He's up the right. Ten touchdown Raiders. 88 yards. Bill King on the call. Stable at a branch. JT back the summer of Cliff as it continues right here on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. As you know, no one's done more for me than this guy. He was my first partner on Raiders Radio, pre and post, my first partner on Behind the Shield, the TV show, one of the great Raiders of all time, Super Bowl champion George Atkinson. George, good to see you out of practice yesterday. How are you? Hey, man, it's good to be seen, (laughs) you know. (laughs) It was was a nice practice. It was hot, but guys getting a lot of things done positively, and that's what you have to do this time of the year. George, let's talk about Cliff. Where did it begin? Your earliest memories, because I know you have so many, but it had to start at one point where you and Cliff just looked at each other with teammates and then started building this amazing bond. Yes, we did. We became actually his rookie season. 
JT. Uh, he and I became roommates, and they put Cliff with me, and we had a lot of conversations. He was eager to go and yeah, ready to get on the field and play ball, and he was supposed to relieve me as a punt returner. But that never manifested itself. Cliff had a few problems holding on to the ball as a returner. But he was definitely a dedicated guy. This guy worked, improved himself, and made himself a great wide receiver with the speed he had when he developed his hands to be the professional that he became. Uh, he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. George, a lot of people have talked about this, from Coach Flores to Freddie, now you, that you know he had problems in the beginning, and you're his roommate. Yeah. So what were right. those conversations like late at night and him getting on the practice field to get those actual reps in? Was he nervous about his future, or was it just a natural process he was going to get better? A natural process that uh, he, he was going through. He had to get better. He, he had a problem taking his eyes off the ball, so he would drop easy balls at times. And we used to sit in the room, and I would throw balls to him from all different angles. And he would, he would make the moves to catch him and catch him in his hand. He couldn't, couldn't catch it against his body. The rule was hey, all balls that are thrown to you, you catch in your hands. And we would catch balls all night until we go to sleep. Wake up in the morning, do the same thing. And he be one day you you wake up and Cliff's catching balls everywhere. And once he started, once he got the knack for catching and and the, and the uh, experience of catching football, it became natural to him. And once it became natural, he was deadly. George Atkinson, Raider legend, Super Bowl champ, joins us. So then it happened, and he talked about it. We've been playing some sound in 74. Now he hits his stride. Now he's one of the big deep threats out there. And then he quickly becomes arguably the greatest deep, deep threat in all of football as he wins his first Super Bowl with you. So once he got it right, George, he was off to the races, huh? Oh, without a doubt. Well, he had everything. Naturally, he was a natural athlete. He had the speed. He had the moves. Uh, he just had to develop his concentration and get his hands-eye coordination together, and he got that. He did that quickly, and like you say, he became not only the best; he was the one and only deep threat in the league that could go could hit it for you at any time. And he was the fastest guy in the league at the time he played. What about practice for you playing safety and Jack and, you know, Soul, Soul Patrol one. And when you were there, Willie Brown, a great example, one of the greats of all time. What was it like bracketing his speed with a Hall of Famer in Casper, Hall of Famer in Freddie, Hall of Fame offensive line with Shell and Upshaw? When you're seeing this and you're playing the safety position and you're coming in noticing Cliff and where he is with these other great offensive weapons, what was that like? Oh, man, hey, you know, it was a blessing for us, actually, as a defensive unit, because we went against the best guys uh, in the league when you're talking about Cliff. And uh, Raymond Chester was there also, Casper, Belitnikov, Mike Siani, Warren Wells. I mean, it just was a plethora uh, of great wide receivers the Raiders had, and it benefited us as a defense because – we got to work against these guys every day. So it made us better as uh, man-to-man cover guys, and that's what we were doing that time. We played man-to-man one-on-one. And to go against those guys every day, we had what you call two-line drill. And every day we would do that. Uh, defensive backs go against the receivers. So it sharpened us 
although we got beat quite a bit because of the speed, <laughs> but it made us aware of the speed and it sharpened us as far as the defensive unit. The great George Atkinson is our guest. Best friends with Cliff Branch. They were soul brothers. I saw it close, and both these guys took me under their wing. So, George, when did the friendship, your teammates now for a while, when did you know it was different? You had a lot of friends. You're really tight with Mark Davis. You were very tight with Mr. Davis and Mrs. Davis, who's with us. When did you just know there was something different with Cliff and he was going to be more than just a friend and a teammate on the field, but a brother off the field? Well, you know, we lived around the corner from each other in Oakland. So we got to hang with each other quite a bit, and we got to be with each other. And We were at each other's house all the time. We would watch film together, and the bond started actually, JT, the first day we became roommates. I mean, it didn't take long for he and I to become best friends and become real good friends, and we hung together quite a bit. Uh, I can remember uh, when the league went on strike one year when it was called No Freedom, No Football. Uh, the first strike I think the NFL had. Cliff and I, we were locked out of camp in the whole bit. We got in the car and just drove and wound up in Los Angeles for a couple of weeks, not knowing anybody there. Just hung out together. And we used to do things like that. I mean, just impulsively, we would just get in the car and do something, go somewhere. And we shared a lot of moments together and a lot of thoughts. And I shared a lot of his dreams that he had of becoming the best wide receiver in the you know, league. And uh, our friendship just blossomed over time. You know, fast forward, my wife and I were able to see that. We're in London and we're hanging out, having drinks late at night. And you're like, me and Cliff are going to be in the lobby. We're going to Amsterdam in the morning. We get down there. We're having coffee. And you and him were there like kids getting ready to travel together. There were times where – so Cliff liked to drive. He liked to drive yeah, all the I time. I loved it. And you, you've been known to do that, too. So every once in a while, you'd get a whim and you'd go on this road trip, you two guys. Did you tell anybody or you just say, no. hey, we're gonna, you wouldn't even tell anybody, huh? No, we just say, hey, get in the car and go, man. <laughs> wherever the car took us uh, and wherever we decide this is where we want to be, boom, that's where we were. And we, we, we <laughs> with the strike year, we were not planning on going to L.A. And we just, one night, you got your credit card? Yeah, I got mine. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was. Everybody. Well, and, and you know, yeah. I miss the guy. I think about him all the time. We used to talk at least once a day. And that phone call would never fail with him getting in touch or me getting in touch. And I kind of miss that quite a bit. Uh, miss him. How'd you uh, George, how'd you handle the news when you when you heard it? Because Cliff liked to sign. You never knew. He was always at a signing. He could be anywhere, but you guys were checking in. If you could share with our audience, because they really love Cliff and you, what it was like and how you were able to handle that news that day. Well, the Thursday before he passed, we talked. He was on, uh, on getting ready to go down to, uh, I want to say, Utah, mm-hmm. was it? Utah and, and Arizona. Uh, he passed in yeah, Arizona. Yeah. Right. Arizona, right. And he, he he was coming from maybe Utah going to Arizona. And he called he would always call Rumi, I'm here. Let me know he got there okay. And I didn't get a phone call from him for a couple of days. And we were in camp and I got a phone call from Mark that uh I think it was that weekend uh-huh. telling me that Cliff had passed and I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I was grieving for quite some time. You know, this guy and I were like brothers, and 
we shared a lot together and uh, we had a lot of dreams that we may, may come true by uh, sitting down talking about things we want to do and how we want to do it. Mm-hmm. Those things happen for us. And I miss a guy like, like crazy. I mean, I miss the phone calls every day. And I miss his presence and just miss Cliff, man. Yeah. George Atkinson, as we wrap it up and the relationship with you, Mark and Cliff, because Mark loses Cliff too, and this you guys were all brothers. And when I saw you yesterday up in the stands before we sat down and spoke, I could just see Mark's like a brother to you and right back from him to you. And, you know, I, I, this is a big moment for Mark and you, the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Let's wrap it up on what it means to you, Mark, the family, Elaine. We just had one of his nephews call in before you came on. What does this mean for you and the Branch family as you get to celebrate at the ultimate spot in all of football, the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Uh, you know, puts a cap on a, an exciting career. A guy who was a super overachiever, who became the best wide receiver in the league, deserving of the Hall of Fame long before this. And I, you know, I said the same thing about Kenny. It's too bad that it, that he was gone when they recognized him. You know, Cliff Branch was a special person to me, and uh, for him to go into the Hall of Fame, you know, it was is is definitely deserving, and it should have happened a long time ago. JT, uh, just too bad he's not here to receive his own awards that he worked hard to achieve and. Too bad it just took the Hall of Fame so long to recognize his greatness and his accomplishments. Yeah, he's going to want a great party, and you'll be at the center of it. George, thanks for doing this. If I don't see you at a practice earlier, I'll catch you in Canton. Can't wait to celebrate Cliff with you. You got it, my friend. Take care. Have a blessed day. You too. George Atkinson. One of the most important interviews I can ever do. Again, I can never, ever. My wife and I always say it. We could never, ever, ever thank George Atkinson enough of what he's done for me and my family no chance i'm here going on year 24 no no chance i'm here year two if it isn't for george and you know i don't share it that often on the show but when i got hired by the raiders they said you need to meet this guy and the first two guys i went to meet was black hole rob rivera head of the black hole to kind of get the black hole blessing to do this as an outsider and then george atkinson who was a badass and i'm hosting with david hum already gigantino And it just took three or four shows for George and I to start clicking. And then we went on the TV set together. I never did this before. George never did it before. And the writers gave us an opportunity to grow together and kind of have some chemistry. And the dinners on the road and the great experiences with George really made me feel confident. Gave me the ability to know that I felt like I belonged when I walked into that building. All because of George. You know, Mark's played a big role in my life, Mr. Davis, and obviously, you know, a lot of coaches and people that have come before and are no longer here. There's too many to count. But at the top of my list is George Atkinson. I am not with the Raiders. I'm not with Raiders Radio if it isn't for him. I owe him everything in my Raider life and having the opportunity to share stories. Appreciate George Atkinson. A very important interview in the summer of Cliff. Tomorrow, Tom Flores, exactly at this time, a little bit before 12.30 Pacific time. Coach Flores will join us. And, you know, who had a bigger role with Cliff getting into the Hall of Fame? Not a teammate, but a coach. It's Coach Madden and it's Coach Flores. He won two Super Bowls with Coach Tom Flores. 
All right, let's keep it going here. Appreciate everybody enjoying these interviews, being patient. We're trying to take them out a little bit longer. You don't get George Atkinson on the radio much. Uh, George, uh, let's go. Uh, Anthony in Minnesota. Anthony, you're up next. What's happening? Hey, JT, thank you. And, and thank you for all that you do for the part you play in this Raider Nation with the Cliff Branch tribute. Really appreciate that. Thank you. A couple things real quick. One quick story about Branch related, and then a little bit about uh, the game next week. As a kid, my father, grandfather, and uncle would go to the games, and whenever one of them couldn't go, they would let me come with. And we sat right above the black hole there. There was a few times when I was 16 years old that I either was in trouble or couldn't go to the game. So one of my best friends, who was a Branch fan, diehard fan, we would take the car and drive up to East 14th Street, now called Martin Luther King, and park up there uh, back behind the industrial area there and go back by the creek, and it would be a hole in the fence. We'd crawl down through the hole. There would be droves of people going up through that little creek up into the uh, parking lot of the Raider uh, Stadium Coliseum there, and we would get tickets. But we'd get tickets and walk into the northwest side because my parents were or my family was on the south side. <laughs> so we'd go into the game and work our way on down to that white slide there with the Cliff Ranch area, the northwest end zone, sure. and, and root them on from there. And uh, you know, thank you for all you're doing about this for the summer. Real quickly about next week, I'm a firm believer in that we walk before we talk, and so what I'm looking for isn't so much a win or that everyone's clicking on, on all cylinders. I'm looking for communication. Do our players know their assignments? Are they getting to the next level? If a play's being checked to something else, you know, are they in sync with the receivers and the blocking schemes? So those are the things I'm looking for. Knowing I'm looking for that, I'm not so sure everyone's going to be 100% speed with knowing what they're doing. But as long as they're, if they're making mistakes, but I can look back on film and see the technique was there and the part about knowing what their assignment was, I'll feel good about building upon that. And once again, man, thank you for all you do and appreciate the show. Thank you. Um, you know, the Summer Eclipse was a concept that I came up with, but uh, we ran it by the Raiders, and the Raiders loved it, and they helped out in a big way. They helped out in a huge way with the imaging and getting us the interviews. You know, the Raider alumni department is second to none, so we really appreciate that. Isn't that cool? Your parents don't want you to go to a game, so you go with your buddy and sneak in. You sit on the other side of the Coliseum in the Cliff Branch section. No doubt about that. I was really interested into what George had to say when George talked about the drops that Cliff had early in his career and how many he had and what was happening there and how he worked through it. And George said it was a natural progression. But how many nights did Atkinson throw the ball from his bed to Cliff's bed so he could practice getting in those extra reps? Sounds like a lot. Uh, let's get out to Shields in Connecticut. Thanks for calling the flagship of the Raiders. Go ahead. JT, how you doing? Doing well, thanks. Just want to reiterate your previous caller thanking you and um, for all you do. And uh, it is the summer cliff. I got a little story real quick. When I was a kid, we all assembled, 10 of us, five on five, you know, tackle football. It was funny. Everybody wanted to be Cliff Branch. <laughs> we all had to do uh, rock, papers, and scissors to be Cliff Branch. Everybody wanted Cliff Branch. The other people want to be Fred Belitnikoff. So, um, and that's how I became a Raider fan. Nice. So, awesome. So, what I want to see is, like a previous caller, some offensive cohesion. Uh, um, the plays coming in, coming out, uh, no false starts, no offensive penalties, um, a score or two. I don't know how long Carr is going to be, but Stidham's pretty good. I want to see a score out of him. Basically, I want to see McDaniel get this offense up and running. I know the defense is questionable. Everybody knows that. But coming into this, 
McDaniels is the offensive genius, and we got a good offensive team. Thank you very much. Take Thank care. you. Appreciate it. Yeah, the, the, I'm not too worried about the offense other than the offensive line not making mistakes when it comes to down and distance and jumping off sides and all that. That's it. If Leatherwood can improve on that vastly, that'll be a big deal. And then you got young players. You know, Dylan Parnham's never played a game in the NFL. He's going to make mistakes. But being next to Colt Miller and Colt Miller leading that offensive line and new coaching, I think it's going to get him up to speed. Not worried about Josh McDaniels in that playbook. It's pretty elaborate, but Carr went through Gruden's playbook, probably one of the most unique and complicated in all of football. Derek's going to be fine. Thanks to George Atkinson. That was brought to you by Grimaldi's. All those locations, best pizza I ever had. First of all, the Raiders have always been family. All the different players who came through the different areas to the Raider organization will always be family. That's something that Al Davis instilled in the organization, and that's the same thing that Mark Davis has continued to stress. Our former players are the foundation of where we are today, and they helped build this thing, so the Raiders will always have open arms for their former players. Cliff talking about the alumni, his former teammates. JT, back with you. As you heard in the spot, I'll be broadcasting tomorrow. It's not a live radio show. It's a podcast series right in the front lobby of Virgin Hotels. It used to be the Hard Rock. Now it's Virgin Hotels. They're our proud partner. And I'll be doing this once a month. And as we get closer to Raider season, I'll hopefully be bringing in a Raider or a Raider alumni to join me there. It'll be a good place to get your game on during a Raider weekend. So I'll be there tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. right in the lobby at Virgin Hotels. we got a really eclectic and unique leadership-type group of guys who are coming over to talk to me. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be something different. we got a stage set up there. I'll be having cervezas. Come on by and say hello 4 to 6 p.m. tomorrow at Virgin. And I'll do that uh, once a month, once a month on a Friday. So I'll kick off a good happy hour over there. Just win Wendy. Check it in before Canton. How are you? Hey, I'm great, JT. Good to talk to you. Right I here, yeah. Things. I have a couple of things. One is, uh, remem- you know, memories. And then the other is um, what I'm expecting next week. And so what I'm looking for next week when I go to the game is I'm looking for discipline. I'm looking to see who is watching the coach. Because every coach is new. I mean, yeah. almost every coach is brand new. Are those guys that are on the field, in pads, ready to play, are they ready to play? Are they looking at the coach? Are they not committing any penalties? Are they out there? And then, I'm, oh, of course, I would love to see the first team play a couple of reps, but I don't know if that's going to happen. If it does, I'll be ecstatic because I love to see it. But, you know, whoever's out there, I want to see that they're paying attention they're not casual. They're not fooling around. They're paying attention and they're disciplined. That's what we really need. No more penalties, please. And then I, I just got to say, you know, um, I've been listening all summer and I get kind of choked up because, you know, I started going to the games with my dad when I was a kid. And um, and my dad had season tic- five season tickets on the 30-yard line, 18 rows up from the first year that they were available. Mm-hmm. And so I got to go whenever, you know, he couldn't take his customers or whatever. He was a salesman. 
And I learned about the game of football by watching, you know, Kenny Stabler and Daryl Monica and everybody they threw to. So I remember standing up and yelling and, and seeing number 21 streaming down the, the uh-huh. field, you know? And I remember all those things. And um, it, it's pretty cool. I, cool. I'm very excited that he's getting in the Hall of Fame. It's way too late, of course. But I'm also really looking forward to seeing all the alumni that are going to be there. Yeah. It should be really wonderful, and I can't wait to hear what Mark Davis says. I'll be at the ceremony on Saturday, too. So good. I uh, hope to see you there, JT. I'll be there. I'll be there right there on the floor. Thank you. Watching Cliff. It's a big highlight of my life. My friendship with Cliff, I wouldn't miss this for the world. And Tom Flores, who's unfortunately going to have to miss this, he wants to come on tomorrow and talk about Cliff. So we got a special day tomorrow with the great Tom Flores, and we'll get some stories about Cliff and how he helped develop Cliff into being one of the greats of all time. Big day today in the NFL. Uh, there's some injuries that I'll get to on the other side. Also, the Commanders open camp with a field that looked like you could play in a parking lot with just terrible graph, grass, and people are just hammering away at Daniel Snyder. Still waiting on Deshaun Watson news. As camps are open around the NFL, we're the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation 920.